BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. When you're happy, you get a tattoo. When you're sad, you get a tattoo. When someone's born, you get a tattoo. When someone dies, you get a tattoo. Hey y'all, what's up? It's Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of Right Nowish. For our final installment in the Permanent Behavior series, we are talking to Shannon Anderson, better known as Mo Better. He's a fixture in the Bay Area tattoo scene. He's been on live radio a few times, tattooing people like Cameo host Sana G. He also regularly tats NFL players and big exec types. He's humble, he has a loyal following, and you've probably seen his tattoos around. His tats are huge elaborate pieces with clean shading that stretch the length of people's femur bones and abdomens. Detailed depictions of Aztec gods, Disney characters, demonic snakes, and skulls. Some that even glow under a black light. He can do a little bit of everything. Something for all generations. I have so many people that I tattooed in the um, late 90s, early 2000s. Their kids are 18 now, you know, and they're coming to me. I have parents like, I don't care if you get a tattoo as long as it's with Mo. So who is this brother who's made an impact on the tattoo industry in the Bay Area for over two decades? I'll tell you his story right after this. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Right now-ish. Back when I was doing research for the series, I talked to a longtime tattoo artist by the name of Daryl Thompson over at Oakland, Inc. He told me that if I was doing a series on tattoo artists in the Bay, I had to talk to an artist by the name of Mo Better. So on a bright sunny Monday, you know the kind of weather that makes you feel jittery, invigorated, in the mood to do something brand new, something to get the adrenaline running. I hopped in my car and I made the trip to Livermore to meet the guy. My destination, Inca Street Custom Tattoo Studio. 
It's located in this small, unassuming strip mall. When I parked, Mobetta was already outside of the shop, standing next to the coldest set of wheels in the parking lot. <laughs> it's a Daytona Sunrise orange metallic C7 manual Corvette. Gotta have a manual. We don't believe in driving automatics. The car is decked out with customized decals and rims that feature his name. And under the hood is an airbrushed portrait of his younger brother, who passed away in 2015. I got a mural of my brother, my middle brother, Red the Arsonist. He rides with me everywhere I go. Mobetta's attention to detail and going that extra mile on presentation is something that he also brings into his work as a tattoo artist and shop owner. Ooh. Right, else? Whoa, this is not what I was expecting. Hi. That's Marisol, right now as producer, taking in the digs with me. Of course, this is our front lobby area right here. Come in, get greeted, and make sure that we get you set up, get ready for your tattoo. There's a lot to look at. For starters, there's this museum-sized statue of a sparkly golden rhino. It's a prop from the Echo Streetwear brand. Also, lots of skull iconography. We're talking death metal skulls, Halloween skeletons, and Mexican calaveras. I got these at a convention a long time ago. I just like the theme, uh, the you know, Dia de los Muertos um, style art. So it's kind of like a central theme, if you notice, like throughout the tattoo shop. But wait, there's more. Each of the artists in Mo Better's shop has curated their private rooms with a different theme that fits their personality. He has a horror theme, as you can see. You got the um, giant jaws right here, Michael Myers mask, Leatherface, Freddy Krueger, the gremlins. <laughs> One of the artist's rooms is decked out with samurai swords, another with Star Wars collectibles and lowrider imagery. We pop into a different room to see one of Moe's colleagues in action. A good chunk of this was like free-handed on, and then some of it we stenciled, but taking all the time to compose it, hear out what she wanted for the piece, and figuring out how to put it on skin. <laughs> Mo Betta started this shop 12 years ago, and he's gradually been able to bring on younger tattoo artists and help them thrive in a competitive industry. It's a big deal considering that he faced real roadblocks when starting out in the early 2000s. As I was going around to every tattoo shop I can find in the Bay Area, and as I was asking them just small advice, you know, any little thing, like give me something, nobody would be interested. I had a couple of people told me to leave their shop. Even had a couple of dudes to tell me like black people don't tattoo. And I'm like, wow, really? I just had a real negative response from pretty much everybody. And um, one of the dudes that I went to, ironically, he was setting up for a tattoo. So while he was sitting there telling me how he was not going to help me, I'm just looking at everything he's doing. You know, what? You know, put this there. Okay, this clips in the air. You know, what the hell the rubber band for? Oh, okay, that works. Figured that out. I had so much trouble getting that starting off, you know, so I help people, I guide people. If you have a question for me, I'm going to answer it. You know, I'm going to help you out. You know what I'm saying? I have no problem trying to give um, advice to people. Championing the underdogs, the rookies, the outcasts. That's actually how Mo got started as a business owner. This is where we turn the clocks back. We got to tell you Mo Betta's origin story. So you really understand what it took for him to get where he's at today. The year was 1988. Mobetta was in the seventh grade when he noticed his classmates had fresh cuts. He asked around, looking to get a clean cut like theirs, but folks weren't giving up the details on their barber. So Mo got active. Kind of pissed me off, you know, so I was like, forget it. 
I went home, got my own clippers, took like four or five hours to figure out how to fade myself up. After a minute, I got really good at it. And then people started asking me like, where you go get your hair cut? I'm like, I do it. And he was like, well, you know, like how much? I said, how much does Mark charge? He was like, oh, he charged $5. I'll do it for four. You know, so I made a little business out of it. But then I used to go around the neighborhood, get some of the little nappy headed kids in the neighborhood, bring them over to the house, cut their hair, send them back home to their parents. You know, and of course, their parents be like, don't you go grab my kid again right, and bring it to your house. But I'm a kid myself. So they like, OK, don't you ever do that. But next time um, I'm going to have them come next week, <laughs> you know, so, you know, like and this was um, like 88, you know, I'm making like. 50 60 70 dollars a day you know after school you know so i was actually on my little hustle with that a few years passed and mo was in another bind airbrush t-shirts were a necessity and in the 90s your main options in the east bay were fremont's new park mall and richmond's hilltop mall but mo didn't have a way to get there so he set out to do it himself I went um, to Alpha Beta. That's how old I am. Um, went to Alpha Beta, got um, a whole bunch of Sharpies, drew on my pants, came to school the next day. Everybody just went crazy. And they were like, oh man, how much you charge? By the end of the week, he earned enough money to buy proper airbrush equipment. So the first day that I got my airbrush equipment, um, this girl I went to school with was telling me my sister's going to a um, BBD concert, Belle Biv DeVoe at the Oakland Coliseum. She's like, yeah, I want to I want to get our um, sweatsuit done for her. And I'm like, oh, OK. So she brings me a white sweatsuit. Mind you, I don't know how to deal with paint. I'm worried I'm about to mess up everything. And she was less like, well, yeah, you want a portrait of Michael Bivens on the back and put poison on my booty and do me down my leg and all this other stuff. And I'm like, all right, I did this picture of of a black man. I'm not even going to say it looked like Michael Bivens, but we're just going to say it was Michael Bivens. Uh, <laughs> it's Michael. It's somebody named Michael. <laughs> no, nah, but the thing that was crazy, right? Michael Bivens pulled her up on stage and was talking about how nice the um, artwork was on it and everything. Like they brought her backstage. She was taking pictures and everything. So they brought me the pictures and I'm like, oh, I'm the man. Wait. Right. I'm the man. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, Advertisement instantly. Yeah, nah, so my head just went boom. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm ready to like, let, let's hit the ground running. Mo first got offered a job doing airbrush t-shirts at a shop in Hayward Southland Mall. And business really took off for him. So much that he could open his own shop. He took all kinds of requests. I'm talking about shirts with your boo's name, favorite sports team, RIP shirts in honor of loved ones that are gone too soon, whatever you wanted to express. So my mom helped me open up a store upstairs in Bayfair called Express Yourself. You know, so 16, my own business, having fun. Gotcha. And this is high time of like mall popularity where people oh yeah no like, Bayfair used to be the hookup spot like if yeah. you wanted to go meet some girls girls wanted to go meet some guys that was that was the destination you know right right between bart every bus ran over there to, you know the 82 the 97 the 40 everybody's yeah mm -hmm. that was like that was the hub but after a while success didn't feel like success anymore it started getting kind of depressing to a certain degree it sounds kind of crazy when i say that but um the thing that I used to make a lot of money off of was um, people passing away, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like I got to a point where it was like I would look at the news just to see who passed away and it would quantify how much I was making that, that week. Mm. And it sucks, you know. To be clear, we're talking 1992-93, a period in which Oakland saw the highest homicide count the city has ever recorded. And I wanted to transition and try to figure out something else to do. And that's how I stumbled upon tattooing. 
At that point, a bunch of his customers from the mall were going to Mo to have him draw images that they could then take to a professional tattoo artist. To me, I'm like, why are you asking me? Shouldn't they draw the design and do it, you know, for themselves? And I'm like, you know, whatever, I'll draw it, you know, $20, $40 here and there. At one point, someone even offered Mo $100 for a design. It was a piece I was actually kind of proud of, you know, because I put a little bit more time and effort into it, making it look nice. And then I didn't see him for like a few months and seeing him on the street randomly. And he's like, hey, man, you know, like I got the tattoo done. I'm like, let me see it. And so he showed it to me and I'm like, this look hella bad. Like this, this can't be real. <laughs> like, oh, like, and I was I think I was a little bit more offended because it was my work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like looking at this thing and I'm like, how much did they? um?" How much they charge you for this? And he's like, oh, I paid 700. I'm like, what the hell? Like 700 and it looks like this. I literally, at that moment, went into a liquor store. There was an ad for a starter kit, $600. I always seen tattoo magazines, never even looked at one before. Mo took the gamble and bought it. When it finally arrived, he already had clientele. So it wasn't hard to find at least 30 people to start out. It was just kind of nuts, you know, like I picked it up kind of quick. Nothing serious, little tribal design that I did when everybody was getting the tramp stamps before they were labeled tramp stamps. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, and then I did one of my friend's tattoos on his arm and it was like, it was just kind of cool, you know, something different. Two to three months later, Mo got the attention of a professional tattoo artist and shop owner. They were impressed that Mo drew designs freehand. They offered a job to him on the spot. From that point on, Mo devoted himself to the craft. What's the difference in approach between doing um, airbrush work and doing tattoo work? The only thing with tattooing is I can't make mistakes like I can. You know, I can't just go grab another shirt like I can with um, airbrushing. You know, oops, I messed up, my bad. No, 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 it's somebody's skin, you know. So I have to, I have to think that this is on somebody literally for the rest of their life. This is the point in the conversation where I gave him my spiel about how in reporting on this tattoo series, I've been thinking deeply about the concept of permanence and impermanence. I wanted to know Mo's take on it all. At the end of the day, you know, your tattoo is what you take with you. And even to the point where even if you die, it's still with you. And there's been mummified people that have been resurfaced that still have markings from hundreds of years ago on their body. And that still tells their story. That's why I get so mad at so many people that when they're like, oh, I just want to go grab somebody. I don't care who does it. No, you should care who do, who do it. You know what I'm saying? You should pay more attention to it. You should focus a little bit more on um, like the permanency of the tattoo and think of the longevity of the tattoo. Similar to how back in the day when Mo was doing airbrush and his customers requested shirts to memorialize loved ones who passed, so do many of his tattoo clients. There's a different gratification I get when people want to do a memorial tattoo more than a shirt because a memorial tattoo means you really love that person. You love that person to a deeper point of your life where you want to etch that person into your skin. I guess tattoo artists catch people when they're going through some transition in life and so you kind of are a shepherd or a usher as people go through this gateway of transition. Do you ever feel that way or is that just like, am I tripping? Well, no, nah, you're not tripping at all. When you're happy, you get a tattoo. When you're sad, you get a tattoo. When you get a new job, you get a tattoo. When you lose your job, you get a tattoo. When someone's born, you get a tattoo. When someone dies, you get a tattoo. No matter what goes on in your life, there's a reason for you to get a tattoo. Why? 
mental comfort. Um, different people have different ways of soothing themselves, different ways of um, coping with different things. And some people like the physical pain of a tattoo. Some people like the emotional attachment of a tattoo. And like I said, some people just like corny stuff. Like sometimes I have to like get out of my head because not every tattoo needs to have a meaning. I had a dude that came in one day and he wanted a, um, he wanted a gerbil on his knee with a B and the gerbil had sunglasses on too. And I was like, why? He's like, cause he's cool and he's the bee's knees. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I couldn't quantify anything that made sense for that, but it came out hella cool. I was loving it. He was loving it. <laughs> the bee's knees, I heard that man. The tattooing biz, the maturation of an artist, the growth of an entrepreneur, conversations about permanence and impermanence, the isms in society, the shout outs to the Bay Area landmarks, one time for Bayfair, the insight on the culture of tattooing in the region, as told through the lens of one person, Mo Better, an innovative artist who not only created his own lane, but made way for others in the industry as well. Mo Better is booked about a year and a half in advance, so him taking time to talk to us, show us his shop, and let us see his ride is much appreciated. If you're looking for more information on Mo Better, you can find him on Instagram at MBTAT2. That's MBTAT2. Uh, see what you did there. And his tattoo shop is Inkistry, Inkistry Tattoos or Inkistry.com. And Inkistry is spelled I N K E S T R Y underscore tattoos on Instagram. And that concludes our permanent behavior series on tattooing in the Bay Area. It's been a wild ride, man. A lot of philosophy and a lot of ink and some really good stories about artists making a living while making sense of this life. I'm fortunate to have a front row seat. We've heard different philosophies. You know, the tattoos are the most temporary art form because humans aren't here forever. And in this episode, we heard that tattoos are permanent because human remains have been found with tattoos on them. But in my humble opinion, you know what lasts even longer? Stories, especially good stories. Bonus points if that good story involves tattoos. Sending a big thank you to all the artists who I've spoken to about tattoo culture in the Bay Area, all of you out there who've listened to this series, and to the Right Nowish team for supporting the production of these stories. Thank you. Right Nowish producer is Marisol Medina Cadena. Kiana Mogadam edited this episode. Our production intern is Corey Antonio Rose. Our engineer is Seal Muller. Justin Ebrahimi and Ria Garewal are the engagement experts. Kiana Mogadam is the senior producer of podcast. KQED execs are David Marcus, Jin Chin, and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Thanks again. Peace and love. Right Nowish is a KQED production. Funding for Right Nowish comes from Akhenati Foundation, supporting the development of powerful social change movements to eliminate structural racism. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.